And ladies and gentlemen, you're in the right place. It is strategy in the virtual controller. We've just uh, playing around with some of our intro music to see if we can find something new because uh, change is as good as a holiday. And since none of us are traveling anywhere, we may as well uh, see what we can change. So a bit of a, a new music and we might be testing a few different intro and outro tunes uh, in the coming episodes. But ladies and gentlemen, my name is Damien Greathead, one of the co-hosts of Strategy in the Virtual Controller. Delighted to be with you here today. Uh, Penny Breslin, my co-host sitting in San Diego. How are you, Penny? I'm fine, Damien. How's the Good. weather out there in Australia? You know, I think it's this La Nina thing at the moment, isn't it? And that means that it's wet. So it's wet down here in Australia. Um, everything is green and lush, but everything's also sodden. So um, it's hot and humid and wet, but no, it's good. Can't really complain. It's better than dry and, and wildfires, bushfires. That's for sure. And we're getting the same effect here in San Diego, but it's not necessarily hot right now, although I wouldn't call it cold either. It's just, you know, nice and pleasant and high sixties and the sun finally comes out in the afternoon. I almost feel like it's May gray and June gloom rather than January, but yeah, I'll take and it. And and also, um, the good thing is, at least the reservoirs are getting some water, isn't it? Is that that's yeah, what I Yeah, that's good. That's good. It would be nice if there were collectors and cisterns for times like this where we could uh, collect even more, unfortunately. I think it's something that has to be looked at. But that's, uh, that's a whole different <laughs> That's another episode. That's another yeah. podcast, I think. <laughs> um it, Penny, you sent me an email um, earlier about as we were discussing today's episode, and AI and context was it was what you replied with, and having a, an episode on AI and context, and I, I it got me thinking, um, and very interested to 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 dig into why you want to discuss that. But I'm going to put it out there as I was thinking about it, and certainly from my receipt bank Dex days. We've been banging on machine learning and AI for a long time. And, and I sort of had the realization this morning that it might not have come that far in the accounting industry. That's my sort of initial thought, but hand it over to you. Um, why did you want to go with AI and context for today's episode? Well, getting on your end, obviously, and um, it's... Uh, it's invariable that we're going to get comments from uh, firms that outsource to us, like, you know, why did you why did you allocate this this way? Um, and part of it becomes, well, you're allowing the AI to do the work in order to take you know cut down on data entry time, and if you don't take the time to review the work that the AI does you can miss something. So say what happens is something is being done over and over and over again the same way, and then that transaction all of a sudden has a nuance to it. And the nuance might be a difference in, in the size of the transaction, and or it may be that it, they were same vendor, same amount of money, but it's being paid through a different way. And that doesn't get noticed until somebody goes in and reviews the file. And then the question becomes, why is this different? So let the AI, the AI looks for the similarities and the human being has to look for the differences, right? Mm. The AI is like my dog, Wild. 
Now, Wyo, if you take him to the dog park, he has his ball. And you could throw that ball and he'll go for that ball. And you could pick up another ball and throw it and he'll look at you like, where the hell is my ball? I want my <laughs> ball. And if he loses his ball and you say, go find your ball, he'll look at me and then he'll look around and he'll start sniffing every single ball in the dog park until he finds his ball. And then he comes back and he's all happy because it's his ball. He is driven. He is part Aussie, part border collie. He is a driven dog. And that's what AI is. It's driven as a goal in mind. It is totally logical in its goal. It does exactly what it's told. And it will do what it's told until you stop it. Just like Wyo. It's like he'll fetch that ball until you go, get the out of here. Leave me alone. I want to just. <laughs> and, and do what it's trained to do, isn't it? And that's the same yeah. thing with mach- machine learning. At yeah. the end of the day, AI is glorified machine learning. The machine has learned how to code that transaction from Office Depot. Right. And so you didn't buy a, you know, a, uh, a thumb drive and you didn't buy a, uh, $200 laptop, you went out and you bought, you know, maybe something that was over a thousand dollars and it's an expense. And there was no question as to, yep. um, do we have to put this as an asset? Nobody asked that question. And then six months out, it's like, Oh man, why didn't you say something? Well, because the computer doesn't know the context of it. They don't understand the, con- the context. Now, there's a lot of AI out there that works extremely well. Um, But in this case, you can get really good AI and you can have a really good GL application, but you've got a small business owner who's going to spend their money any way they want, no matter what you say, and they're going to use external and and non-linked cards and banks to spend money they have to do with business. And then they're going to use business cards and business um, accounts to spend personal money. And that's, you can, you can talk to your blue in the face, but you're always going to have some clients who are just never going to follow the rules. Mm-hmm. But the computer's always going to follow the rules. The AI is always going to follow the rules until you go in and train it to do something else. So I could train this dog to go do something else, but I'd be hard pressed to train that dog to make a decision on when it has to switch between the two linear items that I've told it to do. Either fetch the ball or go sit down or fetch the ball and stop or fetch somebody else's ball. I could probably, I could train it to fetch a different ball. But then now that's the ball it's going to go after. It's not going to switch back to the other ball, the first ball, like easily. And, so and I can train AI to do something, and it will do it until the cows come home. And and, and I think that's, that's the bad and the ugly of it. But and I think that's what business owners, practitioners need to recognize as they are trying to leverage machine learning and AI understand the limitations of it, understand what it does really well and load it up on that type of work and those types of clients, but understand that 
as your business client as your business clients become a little bit more sophisticated or as they become a little bit more nuanced because of the type of business or the type of industry or or just who they are that there's going to be limitations and so rather than trying to fight it and <laughs> trying to fight the the provider because or, or trying to get the provider to do add the xyz functionality to the product just recognize that this product is really good at coding transactions in this particular industry for this particular type of client and be okay with that. Yeah. And then also you have to, you have to look at it as I'm just not going to let this, this system run and never go look at it. You do yeah. have to yeah. look at it. You have, so you have to provide the context. You have to provide the picture. Um, it can paint by numbers no problem, but somebody's got to actually put that picture in a shape and break it up into numbers and make the colors um, in a particular pattern that makes it a, a likable picture that anybody can understand. And, so and th- that's, that's a your big job issue. Now. Your job yeah, is and, and... to type stuff in. Your job is to look at what a computer just did and go, is this accurate, appropriate? And how does that affect the story of this particular file? And and that's a big challenge as as firms are coming into tax season, isn't it? Because they've got this massive oh, yeah, compliance. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Swear jar. Um, <laughs> but you know what? It's the last two weeks of January, so I know exactly how they feel. And but, and and so that's the thing is is basically they're coming into massive compliance over the next three, four, five months uh, and then recovering from massive compliance. Um, they don't necessarily have the capacity to go in and do that check. And so three and four months can go by with without that books review, which um, w- which means that a lot of mistakes, errors, um, issues can can arise over the coming coming few months. So when do they arise? Because you haven't looked at the books for several months. They arise all in January. What are we most stressed about? January is probably one of the most, especially for when it comes for bookkeeping. Um, it's it's an extremely stressful month because you've got year end, you've got 1099s, you've got W2s, you've got payroll, you've got um, a lot more sales tax reports to put out than you usually do because you got all your annuals as well as your monthlies and quarterlies. Everything comes to an, uh, a, a head in January. And um, so you're stressed to begin with. And you probably signed on or, or added a new application in November, December. Oh, uh, yeah. So you're, le- <laughs> so you're learning that, trying oh, to train decided, the team on that. You decided to outsource in yeah. December. <laughs> yeah, let me, oh, how many of those happened this, this month? But, but you, you, it's like if you, could, if you could just kind of load level your work, and I, I, this is where workflows, tasking workflows come in so handy is you can load level that work. So you can take five minutes every month to just review what the computer did um, and take five minutes to review what the computer failed to do. And and then then you can evaluate not only the client, you can evaluate your ability or your employee's ability to deal with this. You can evaluate the application that you're using for tasking. You can also evaluate the application that you're using to get that AI. And instead, you're waiting until the last of the year 
And believe me, I'm just as at fault at this as anybody else. Um, but you wait till the end of the year and it's like, wow, uh, you know, that really didn't work very well. And then you want to change it, which I have just just today alone told two clients, that's really interesting. I'm going to fix that, but I am not going to evaluate or think about a new way to do it until the second week of February. Do you mm -hmm. understand why? And they'll go, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. We shouldn't have asked you right now. Like, fuck me, right? You shouldn't have asked me right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, but building on the last episode we did, um, make a note in your tasking system, put a deadline against it, and then forget about it until um, until February when you said you were going to exactly, revisit it. Which is exactly what I did. I went into my tasking on my phone while I was walking my dog because both of those calls came in while I was walking the dogs. And I'm like, okay, pulled it up on my mobile phone, set a task for myself two weeks from now. Here is what you need to research and come up with a solution for. Um, um, I, I think the other thing is, I, I think the I think it's also a tremendous training opportunity for juniors for new people coming in. They don't need to do all the key bashing to get the data in there. Let the technology do that. But but having them do the monthly review um, is a wonderful training opportunity because I think they can have a look for those anomalies and and. What I used to do back in my bookkeeping days, and we were actually entering it manually, but the most important thing was you just do a month-on-month -month comparison. Has something gone up significantly? Is, is something appeared in a, in a, ch a, a chart of accounts line that it, that's never been there before? Or has the number jumped up by you know more than 5%? And if, if, if that has happened, if we've got a new line item in a chart of accounts, that probably means that I've coded it incorrectly. So let me go back and have another look there because I haven't had that type of expense in in the chart of accounts for the last three months. And then alternatively, if it's more than, uh, yeah, 5 10% on the last three months, then it probably means that uh, I've might not mean anything, but certainly worth me going back in and having another look at it and see if I've coded it correctly. Do I need to split it? Is it a capital versus an exp a capital expense versus an expense? So that's what I did sort of manually um, once I'd entered all of the data to make sure I'd coded it correctly. So now that the tech, the the AI gets it into the the, the GL, uh, it, it's a, a fairly simple review process. As you said, could be five minutes, but You've got to do that review process to make sure that the training was correct. And if the training wasn't correct, you can then correct it. Yeah. And the, and there's also, I mean, AI didn't do all of it. I mean, you're going to have to, even as an accountant manager overseeing even bookkeepers, you have to probably at least quarterly go in and check at minimum to see if the bookkeeper made the adjustments that should have been made and didn't miss it. You know, it's, it's interesting. We do a lot of different types of work in our office in Chennai. We do tax returns, we do audit preps, we do um, internal administrative billing for firms, we do QuickBooks desktop online, Xero, NetSuite. So we're doing a lot of different types of work that you would ordinarily see, uh, maybe specific to a particular type of firm or at least seg segmented into different uh, silos in a firm. And I have to tell you, the most difficult job that we have is allocation. We could pull out a tax, and, and 
my partners will tell this and everybody that works for us, they'd all much rather be on the audit team or the tax prep team because there's no ambiguity there. This is compliance driven. It's time driven by compliance. It's compliance driven by the rules and regulations of not only the government, but the applications that are involved. Mm. Allocation at the bookkeeping level is like herding cats. And um, you can be correct on a transaction one month and incorrect on a transaction the next month. So when a human being can do that, a computer that is doggedly like Wyo, my dog, looking for that ball, hunting that ball, hunt the ball, hunt the ball, hunt the ball, hunt the ball. It's always going to go in the same direction. It's going to make that same mistake over and over and over again until you correct it. Um, it's it's something that you have to look at. How do you bring on new people? Um, how do you um, teach them what to look for? Um, you know, I, it used to be that you would bring on a new person and they would, like you said, they would be typing the information in and they would do the best they can and then gave it to somebody to review. Now they're a traffic cop. Now they mm-hmm. are looking at the technology. Is it syncing? Is it, if there's a mistake, is it us? Or is it, I just got off of a conference call webinar with an app that we use and I found two mistakes that I went, hmm. And I, I told them, I said, is this your system or is this the way we entered the data or is this something that the client did because we're touching it, the client's touching it and the AI's touching it. And all three of those had some kind of um, function within the, the system. And there were two blatant mistakes and they were sitting there at, at the top of the, the view. And I just, I said, I'm not, I'm not ready to blame anybody on this because the computer touched it. Well, yeah. the software application touched it. We touched it and the client touched it. And so what's the best practices for dealing with that? And they said, well, thank you for giving us the opportunity to look. So they're going to go look. They'll report back to me on what they think caused those two Mine and a and a slew of transactions. Why did were those two not dealt with properly? And we'll figure it out. Um, but nothing is perfect, and you don't throw out. I'm not about to throw out this app just because I found two minor things, and I'm not really ready to find out. I'm I'm just interested to find out how it happened and how it can be corrected. Um, and. That, I think that's something you have to take into because a lot of times you'll see people go, well, I didn't like that application. It made this one mistake and I never tried it again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and that's, that happens. And that's yeah. sad because the other thing too is these apps also, they grow up. And as they grow up, they, they take on more functionality and they, they provide more um, um, changes based on the feedback that you give it just like you give feedback to the computer and it learns you need to give feedback to these app developers so that they learn what it is that you're really experiencing out there because they're writing their app in this nice little bubble and they know how it's going to integrate to the GL but you're looking at the whole picture 
remember, you're, you're the one who did the paint by number for this client and you've got the whole context. But also I think the other thing is we sit, we, and, and I, I think I'm a, a, a cause of this as well, but accountants and bookkeepers, they, they sit in the conference room or on the virtual, um, on virtual webinars, et cetera, et cetera. And, and basically we're, we're jamming down their throats, the, the potential of AI and machine learning, and it'll do this and it'll do that. And it'll do this, 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 and it'll make you a cup of tea and it'll spot this anomaly and that anomaly. And I, th I think we, I think we as app providers, as developers probably paint a false uh, or give a false narrative in terms of the full potential of it. And so therefore accountants and bookkeepers would come up to us at the stand to be like, well, why can't it just do this, this, and this? I mean, you said it can do this, so surely it, surely you should be able to program it to do X, Y, and Z. And and so I think we, we probably need to, as developers and providers, need to better manage expectations because the theory is yes, there's no reason why we couldn't do, develop the code to do X, Y, and Z, but the, the, the impact of doing X, Y, and Z on a, B, C, D, E, F, G, everything yeah. that's been developed beforehand, um, that's that's what the great unknown is. And and so I think there's, I, I think we have to better manage expectations from a developer standpoint and, and be honest about what AI and machine learning can do now is likely to do in the next six to 18 months and then just sort of better manage expectations because the number of phone calls I was on and the number of um, customers or, or prospective customers that would come up to us complaining that particularly like it doesn't recognize tax, it doesn't do this, it doesn't do that, why not? Um, you said up on stage yesterday that it could do X, Y, and Z. Um, why can't it do Why can't it do that? And so I, I, I don't know, I think that's that's part of the, the AI and machine learning conversation as well is probably better managing people's expectations um, because as you said, the, 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 the capability and the feature set grows. Um, and unfortunately we do have limited resources. And, and that means just, just like in yourself, as, as you add new skills to your skill set, you probably means you make a few more mistakes along the way, um, with other areas as you're learning. So I don't know, I think it's, there's, there's work to be done on the provider side to better manage expectations about what is actually achievable. And certainly, in the next six months, the next 18 months, um, so that uh, I think accountants and bookkeepers are, are better prepared uh, to implement this technology. Yeah, because it's not going away. Is yes. It's, you know, there was a, um, a podcast that we both know, David and Blake, who yep. talked about uh, you know people that complained about desktop going away, how they QuickBooks desktop is going away in the UK and they're afraid it's going to go away here. This stuff's not going to go away, right? Um, it's going to look different two or three years from now than it does right now. Um, you have to be adaptable. You have to be open to change. Um, and I think that, that you have to also understand that as you're learning, so is the robot. And the robot is expecting you, whatever you want to call that robot, AI, whatever. If it's if it's that little dog robot that walks across the floor, if it's out even like even the Roomba, you know, if it's you, you've got to teach it where to go and you've got to teach it how you want it to navigate around your house. 
Um, it's the same thing with um, all of these um, apps that we put yeah. on onto the computer. And, and if you let it run its course for several months before you look at it, don't be angry at the computer. Don't be angry at the app. Don't be angry at the client. Um, just recognize that everything has to be checked. And when you're doing your flat rate, um, billing, whatever it is you're doing, put in there a cushion for the time that you're going to take to review. Then set a task in your workflow to do that review. And then actually go in and do it and make the changes and adjustments that will re-educate the AI and or let you know whether or not that is a viable use of your time and money to use that AI. Because it's not cheap. It's not cheap once you add up a tech stack and you look at no. everything that's connected. And at the end of the month, how much are you paying? Um, how much is your client paying? Um, it better be working for you. And if it's not working for you, get it rid of it. But don't do it in December. <laughs> or January. <laughs> um, don't, don't call me up in January and go. So, what do you think? We, we're thinking about switching. Like, what do you? We're thinking about switching. No, no, just call bear with it. Months. Yeah, no, call, call me in five months. And 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 most importantly, let's let's uh, in in four or five months time, let's actually look at the app. Let's look at the training. Let's look at what you want it to do and and do it properly. And and. Probably seven times out of ten, it's it's it'll be the case that this app does exactly what you need and want it to do, but um, maybe a couple of steps were skipped in the uh, in the training and implementation process. Maybe maybe a bit more understanding of what it does and doesn't do. Um, yeah, but seven times out of ten, it's it's the right application, just probably not implemented correctly. Um, so so fear not. It's it's not about um, starting from scratch uh, on a lot of those cases. Penny, uh, one question I have, and and. Uh, one thing for listeners, we've talked about niching or niching um, on a couple of episodes. If you're sort of looking at this controller type service and you're looking to scale that, um, are there industries or business types that you've seen that do much better on the AI side of things? So that that the, the, the machines do a good job of the transactional processing. Are, are there any industries that you see better than others? Are um, better than well, others? It's service industries, uh, professional service industries is pretty good um, okay. for scalability. Um, I would say real estate development um, is investment. No, real estate investment. I was going to say is, development. Yeah, real estate investment. It's a good uh, vertical. E-commerce is huge. Um, you have to pick the right apps for that because, um, and you have to make a decision on what you want to go into the GL. There is a, a new product out there that I've been looking at that I think would make e-commerce much more of a scalable niche for somebody. Because you got to think about what, like scaling, scaling is huge. If you are going to do any kind of controller type services, you definitely want to niche it. You cannot be in an e-commerce business, a professional services business, and a retail business and have four or five clients in each of those and think that you're going to not have a nervous breakdown by the end of the first quarter. Um, so you want to scale it. You want, you want to scale it, then you want to niche it. You want to niche it, 
you need to learn all of the best products for that niche and focus on that. Don't let, don't let another niche distract you at this time until you get to the point where on a learning curve, you went from um, learning stuff to, wow, I'm rocking and rolling. This is really sweet to, damn, this is boring. I've got it down. Now it's mm. time to get in the niche and find somebody else to take over that thing that you just got bored with because it was just rolling along. Now it's time. So you scale. But the only way you can do that is if you stick with one. And the other thing you have to learn, I find, and this is just me, I, you know, take it what you want. But if I'm in a niche, I don't just learn the applications in accounting that help me in that niche. I need to learn my clients' applications that they're using in their everyday business. Mm-hmm. How are they using technology? How are they communicating in their everyday business? So it's a much more holistic approach. Um, and um, I think that that has to be taken into consideration. So you're charging more because you're focused and you're niched and you're scaling a little bit slower. But here's the thing is, when I talk to clients, they're very rarely asking me about an individual transaction in a GL. They want to have a conversation that is completely consultative based. And it happens, if it happens to me, as little as I do, compared to a lot of bookkeeping and accounting firms out there. If it's happening to me as often as it does, I know it's going to be happening to them. And if you don't take the time and put down everything and focus on what they're saying and think outside of accounting for the issues that they're having, you're leaving a lot on the table. So you have to be aware of the industry that you've niched in. You have to be aware of their external uh, presses and um, what's what's going on in that industry. You really have to spend a lot of time learning about their applications outside of accounting and be well-rounded and well-versed in that niche. And that takes time. It's not yeah. something you're just going to, you're not, you're not going to have the proverbial two or 300 clients and you're doing the monthly bookkeeping and you're calling yourself controller. No, you're not. You're doing after the fact right up. You know it. I know it. So shut up. <laughs> and, 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 and also two and 300 clients, you've got a pretty impressive team to, to be handling that type of volume of work, whether it's onshore or offshore, I don't care because that, that's, that's a lot of client management. That's a lot of client relationship like management. And, and, and I, I sort of think we, we sort of say that the term scale your accounting practice, and, and I don't mean that in terms of two and 300 clients. I, I mean that in terms of scaling it using the technology so it's less reliant on you so you, you could you could add two and three and four clients um, if you wanted to if you needed to but but you you've got the flexibility to do that when you want to do it rather than oh shit I've got to go out and hire another person before I can actually bring on a new client that's what I mean by scale it yeah. puts you in control of that growth so that I, I know a, a couple of um, f- firms that I've worked with they started, they picked up a couple of microbreweries in the area. Those microbreweries talked to other microbreweries, so they became yes, customers they as well. Um, and slowly but surely grew a, a, a nice niche of microbreweries down the Pacific coast. 
uh, as they got to a point that, that and that, that then then they consolidated and then they were like, okay, let's just focus on this. What do we want to? Um, let's make sure we know this inside and out. Then they sort of reset and said, okay, what's next? And they went um, adjacent, so they went to sort of the distilleries and some of the startup distilleries, um, and and that's that's where they're focused. But but they grew at the rate they wanted to, and they were in control of that, and it wasn't based on trying to find another body to to bash the keys. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you got it. It's you know, it's great what people do about uh, selling the new way of doing business. But businesses grow the same way. They might grow like incrementally quicker, or they might die incrementally quicker. But you still the 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 pro the process of development of learning and of growing hasn't changed since human beings first crawled out of a cave. So um, that process is still there. How we can speed it up or slow it down, you have to be in control of and. When you have multiple different types of businesses with multiple different types of needs, you that's really hard to scale at a controller in a controllership and a virtual controllership and fractional controllership. Never mind just you know going into those offices, you know, what it would take. Uh, back in the day when you did go into the client's office and do a couple hours here and then go to the next client and do a couple hours there. Well, you're doing the same thing. You're just doing it using technology and using the cloud to access stuff. And um, you still have to think about the learning curve. You still have to think about the context. You still have to direct the traffic, um, whether that traffic is being done by another person in your office or somebody offshore or by a robot, AI, you still have to be directing it and looking at it and give yourself that time every month to review it. Otherwise, you're never going to scale. Yeah, because you're always going to be fighting a crisis somewhere. Somewhere. And and it took it took me a, a while to realize that at, when I was at Receipt Bank as well um, because my feeling was the – artificial intelligence and machine learning it was the great savior for the for the accounting industry um it took me a while but I, but i slowly became very comfortable with saying actually receipt bank's not a good fit for that that client is all of these anomalies and all of these exceptions that you're talking about receipt bank's not a good fit for that how many yeah. of those types of clients do you have or two or three. Well, let's talk about the other 45 that you have and let's see if there's some opportunity there within those 45. And more often than not, um, there was there's a you know a nice pocket of, of 15, 20 clients that Receipt Bank was a really good fit for. Um, but I as I said, it took me a while, but I, I finally became very comfortable with saying Receipt Bank's not a good fit for that client, and let's not even go down this path because it will only end in tears and frustration. Uh, and I think that that was a big learning point for me. Um, and I think also for practitioners, particularly at tax season, being able to say, actually, no, this isn't a good fit or no, that's not going to work in the way we do things, I, I think is a really important learning curve and, and part of the, the conversation, being comfortable with saying no. Being comfortable with saying no when a client comes through the door, a potential client comes through the door and it's the end of the year and they're just saying, hey, listen, I need a bookkeeper. I need somebody to get all my books clean so I can turn it over to my tax account. 
and yeah. could do it by tomorrow. And, you know, and, and I'm, unfortunately, I, I see this, and I'm kind of surprised, uh, but I do see accountants doing that. And I know that they're being empathetic, but you're really not being, you're being kind of disingenuous to yourself and to that person. Um, who's coming in, I think you're better off saying, look at, I could do this for you, but I cannot do it in the time frame that you want, nor in the in the price range that you want. So this is what I can do. Think about it and come back to me and then move on. Because yeah, and- don't try to fight. I've had that happen twice this month where I just said, you know, yeah, well, this is what it would take. And this is when we can get started. So if that doesn't work for you, I'm sorry. But, and have, yeah. have a think about it and, and let me call you in February once I've got um, January behind me and I've got a bit of space to think about it and then set a task, well, reminder, follow up with prospect and forget about it. Yeah, 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 because, yeah, it's, it, it, this is not, at this time of year, it's not worth it to, 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 to try to be a super person. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You've got to just, at this point, we're all just saving ourselves. <laughs> but, um, you know, context is everything. Um, and uh, don't blame the AI. Don't blame the bookkeeper. Don't blame the business owner. Um, just understand that uh, shit happens. And um, as, one, as one gentleman in, in El Paso once told me when I was there at his firm, we were sitting down having a glass of wine after a two-day training course that we did down there. And he said, you know, nobody ever died because their books weren't balanced one day. And <laughs> I went, oh, you know what? That's a good way to look at it. And he was very relaxed about it. And um, and he had a good company, he had a good firm, and he had good – he had what he really had was good, loyal employees too. And you could tell us because he had an attitude as, we'll get to it. It's going to get done. This will be fine. Don't worry about it. And um, and you could tell in his employees that they were very relaxed and they were very happy to be working there. And they were been longtime employees. They were very, they were going to stick with him. That's for sure. So just, you know, context is everything. AI is a help. It's just a tool. It's just a tool. And it's a dog that needs to go do its job and you have to redirect it once in a while. Once in a while. And I, I really liked what you said there in terms of you, you got on the phone with the app partner and you said, look, we've been in there, the client's been in there, the technology's been in there, there's a mistake and we just want to get to the bottom of it. And I, I think that's a really um, a really good way of approaching it is is a couple of hands have been in here and, and let's get to the bottom of it so we can fix it so that we can retrain it so that we don't have to have this conversation again. Um, I think that was really, uh, really powerful. Yeah. Well, it's a good app. I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. Right. Penny, I think that's a really good spot to leave today's episode. Um, AI and context. Um, fascinating conversation. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have enjoyed what you're listening to, do us a favor, jump on um, Apple Podcasts, leave a review for us. We'll share that review uh, in our next episode. Um, And then also, if you do have any questions for us, or if you'd like us to help out with a particular situation, feel free to reach out, reach out on LinkedIn and uh, drop us a line, connect with us there. But um, Penny, always a pleasure. Uh, And until the next episode of Strategy in the Virtual Controller, we will see you next time. All right. Thank you. Have a good one.